0: Have you ever been on a journey? I don't mean a journey from Wichita to Edmond or from Kansas City to St. Louis. I don't mean a journey where you knew the destination, you had it typed into the GPS, and uh, you were just following directions. But I mean, have you ever been on a journey in your life that the destination is unknown. The outcome is unsure. Um, today, I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to share with you something from my heart as I think every Christian at some point goes on a journey. And it's not a journey where God says, okay, it's, you're going to start here and you're going to go here and then here and then here and you'll end up here. Uh, It's a journey where God essentially says, trust me. It was April 6th of last year. Seemed like a normal day, but it had an unusual way of beginning. As I checked my messages on social media and email and text, uh, I found one in my messenger that had come to me the previous day. And the message was curious to me. It's from a sister in Christ, and she shared the following. Hey, had a dream last night, and I feel like God wanted you to know. You're about to go on a long journey. But God is in control. Also, allow others to help you. They will help you to feel safe and secure. So I replied, interesting. Appreciate you sharing. What happened in the dream? She replied, well, it's strange. God was driving a really big car, like a limo. You were the only one there. The seat belt was an old-fashioned lap belt, and it took several people to help you get the long end fed through to belt you in. Okay. (laughs) I replied, dreams are fascinating. Be interesting to see how this plays out. Now, that stuck with me. The rest of the day, and the rest of the next couple of weeks, and three weeks later, Christy, as you know, was diagnosed with carcinoma of the tongue. And we had no idea on April the 6th that that's what it was. This lady certainly had no idea what we were going through or any of that. She lives several states away. Now, I'm I'm a long-time Church of Christer, okay? I stick with what the book says. I stay within the boundaries of that because... There's a lot of stuff outside of this book that gets real subjective and we easily can slip off into strange territory, okay? Whether or not that dream was from God, I cannot say. But I will tell you, as we would go through the next six months... I thought often of that dream. I found great comfort in it. That God, reigning from heaven in his infinite power and in his infinite strength and in his infinite wisdom, and in keeping the universes spinning and the, and the galaxies going and, the, and everything here on earth under his care, that he would know that we needed to hear that message. I ask you again, have you ever been on a journey? Have you ever been on a journey where it seems like you're increasingly more and more isolated and removed from... The people you know, the circumstances, you're you're pulled out of your comfort zone. Have you ever been on a journey like that? It seems scary at the outset, but I'll tell you, those journeys are not all bad. There are times when you will go on a journey and God doesn't reveal to you where you're going to end up. There are times you're going to go on a journey and God's going to call you, just like he did Abraham, out of his home country, out from his family, out from his friends, out from familiarity, and into a land that God would lead him to. We are creatures of comfort. I mean, (laughs) when you came in here, you pretty much sat in the exact same place that you normally do. Till Brent ruined that for you, but we are creatures of habit and familiarity and comfort, and God understands that. But, but when we get attached to comfort and familiarity and, and only venturing where we're comfortable and what's familiar, that's not where God does his best work, on us or in us. I'm going to share with you some pictures this morning. Three weeks later is picture number one, as Christy and I head up to KU Med Center. And we check into the hotel, and we get up very early to check in. And and we've been together through the whole journey and after, but we get to this point in pre-op. It's just she and I. And then, a nice lady with a mask comes in and says, okay, it's time. And I know that means that I can't go with her. And in that surgery room, All alone myself, and watching them take my wife down to surgery, I was overwhelmed with the words of the psalmist. And I want you to turn there if you have a Bible with you. Psalm 73. in verse 21 of Psalm 73. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. And yet, I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you take me into your glory. Who have I in heaven but you? Earth has nothing that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. And my portion forever. As we sat and waited twelve unimaginable hours, verse twenty five was in my mind and my heart. Who have I in heaven? But you. These journeys that God takes us on seem scary. They are. But never will you grow in your faith and your trust and your love for the Lord as in these times. When everything is pulled away, and you realize, whom have I in heaven but you? The surgery was successful, though it was unimaginable. Uh, speaking with a friend who had been through this surgery, watched her son go through it. The word that she used was barbaric. And that's a good description. As I watched my beloved battle with uncommon strength and resilience, as I watched her fight through a pain that I can't even imagine, I realized that the journey with cancer is a long one. In fact, I, I kind of thought that it's two steps, really. First is removing the cancer And the second step is recovering from step one. That second step is a much longer step. We were in ICU for some time, several days, and then moved to a regular room. Her her strength, her courage uh, was just, I'm in awe of that woman. She is an incredible example. We were able to go home, but going home was different. Uh, she went home with a trach in her throat, several machines to help her make sure she was getting plenty of oxygen and to clean the tracheotomy and all of that. And it was a long road. She recovered, then after she had, the doctors felt like she was ready, we had to do the second part, which was radiation. And that would be six weeks of daily radiation. The radiation itself, the treatment wasn't so bad, but it was the effects of the radiation that would build and build and build. In those days, though the bed was comfortable, I did not sleep well. And God would wake me many times. And there was this one moment, this is picture number two. I have darkened the room, the shades of the room, and for whatever reason, the shades in this room were particularly effective. They just blocked out all sunlight and i did that so that she could rest but the darkness felt heavy and in that moment a single beam of light poked through where it had never poked through before a little corner in the just where it didn't match up to the window In that heavy, dark moment. Psalm 139 came to my mind. All of Psalm 139 is a beautiful picture, but I'm going to read just verses 7 through 12. The psalmist writes, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, "Surely the darkness will hide me, even the the and the light become night around me," even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And if I was going to title this sermon, it would just be those three words, oft repeated in Psalm one thirty nine, and it's these three words: you are there whether you've been on a journey or you are on a journey or you will be on a journey where it's unknown the destinations unsure it's outside of your familiarity in your comfort zone it's 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 not often of your choice but in those journeys the most comforting thing is these three words You are there. God showed Himself in so many little ways, and I say little, but they were huge. They were everything to us. Whether it was people, doctors, or nurses sharing their faith a moment in a moment whether it was a picture on a wall, I'll never forget, and Christy won't either, when we went to the doctor's office, and we had been reading and thinking about the 23rd Psalm, and as we walked into that room, there on the wall was a picture of green pastures and still waters. If you're on a journey... Or when you go on a journey, let me encourage you to look for God, to seek God, and, and to, to look for him showing up in these, <laughs> you've heard it the phrase used, the God-winking moments. It's just these moments where God, you get it, you go, okay, I see you, I know you're there. It's not a burning bush or anything like that, but it's just a moment when God shows up. And usually, it's in such a small but potent and powerful way. If you've been on those journeys, you know how much those moments mean. Turn to Psalm 23, since I mentioned it. I hardly need to ask you to turn there. It's so well known and beloved. But look at what David says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. IV says, I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake you ever noticed that before? He guides me along the right paths. Not necessarily the comfortable path, or the easy path, or the familiar path, but he guides us along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley. Other translations, the valley of the shadow of death. And if you've been in those valleys, you understand the depth that those valleys can go to. The darkness which they can feel like. And yet I will fear no evil. What does he say? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Indeed. I think the most comforting part of our journey and anyone's journey is knowing that He is with us and that He shows Himself faithful and present within our lives, within the Word, through people. People would send a text message that showed up at just the right time. Someone would stop in for a visit at just the right time. It, that, that's all God working in, in that, through the darkest valley. And in the darkest valley, what gives us the greatest comfort is the light. The eternal light of our Father in heaven. The Apostle Paul preached a sermon to people who didn't really know God they dabbled in god they liked debating and talking theology they, they had lots of different little gods that they served but but paul's preaching a sermon to them and i'm not going to go through the whole sermon it's a great one but but join me in acts 17 because there's a part of it that i i want to bring to your attention acts chapter 17 verses 24 through 27 Acts 17, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all, all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Now look at verse 27. This is one I want to draw your attention. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him. And find him, though he is not far from any one of us. In those journeys, it can be very tempting. And I think the enemy is often whispering in our ear, you are all alone. No one is here for you. Where's God? And God wants you to know he's right there that he's not far from any one of us. That's true in the story of redemption. That's true in your story and in mine. William Shakespeare wrote these words. I don't think he wrote them about God, but I like to think of them in that way. When, in disgrace, with fortune and men's eyes, I, all alone, beweep my outcast state and trouble deaf heaven with my bootless cries and look upon myself and curse my fate, wishing me like to be one more rich in hope, featured like him, like him with friends possessed, desiring this man's art and that man's scope with what I most enjoy, contented least. And yet in these thoughts, myself almost despising, happily, I think on thee. And then my state... Like to the lark at break of day, (laughs) arising from sullen earth, sings hymns at heaven's gate. But thy sweet love, remembered such wealth brings, that then I scorn to change my state with king's. Happily I think on thee. I have one last picture for you. And it is one you all will see in just a few minutes. As you leave here at the final amen and you converse and fellowship. But there will come a moment when you step outside and go outside into what is one of the coldest days so far this year. And there's something so strange about a a day this cold. And it's this. It's the stillness. Go outside for just a moment this evening and step out into a winter's night and listen. You will not hear birds chirp. You will not hear animals cry you will mostly hear the sound of silence. I don't like many things about winter, and a day like today is a <laughs> good reason why, but one of the things I do like are those silent, still moments that only happen in the winter. Still mo- stillness is a good thing. Still moments are a better thing the scripture calls us to be still and know that i am god i hope you have a moment of stillness in your life when all other distractions are removed and where you where you only have the opportunity to be still before a holy and almighty god you see the question is not whether God is with us. The scriptures are clear on that answer. He is closer than we even imagine. The question is, are we with him? Are we looking for him? Are we seeking him? Are we listening for him? The invitation from James chapter 4 verse 8 is this. Draw near to God... And he will draw near to you. Now you don't have to go on a journey with cancer to realize that truth. That God calls us and invites us all the time to be still before him and draw near to his presence. On a day where we're, not, where we're doing a lot of things differently, today we're not going to have a traditional invitation. Invitation is just a tradition, it's not a, not a biblical thing, It's not a bad thing, but it's not a, just a tradition that we do. Today we're going to put that tradition aside because we wanted our focus of our worship to be upon this next time of songs and the Lord's Supper. And as we come to that point, I want to invite you to prepare your hearts and to quiet them and to be still and to know the presence of the Lord is with us. In fact, Jesus himself, God with us. As we remember his body his blood, as, as we rem- remember the sacrifice made, we remember that he was with us because he was for us. So as we take just a moment, we're going to sing a couple songs, and then we're going to partake of this Lord's Supper together, and I invite you to turn your phones off. I invite you to, to try to really center yourself and still your heart and your anxious thoughts and whatever journey you're on, and draw near to the presence of God.